Hey, hi. <laughs> Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. Um, you're supposed to start out by saying very appropriate things, and uh, I will. But I want you to know that I mean them, and that is I am thrilled to be here. That's straight up the truth. It is an enormous joy to me and to my wife to be here. Um, right now, we don't have a church. <laughs> it's, we visit churches, and so I don't have a job or a church. Otherwise, everything's going great in life. Um, when I think of the places, having had the time to experience many worship experiences in the past few months, one of my favorite places to worship is here. And, and a lot has to do with who is here. There's nothing like singing God's praise with your family. There's nothing like singing God's praises with your grandchildren. It's just like the best. So thank you for the opportunity to come. First Peter, as you know, it starts out, Peter says that uh, this is to the elect exiles. Jews who had been scattered around the Roman Empire who were chosen by God. And what he means by that is God chose before the foundation of the world to save any man, woman, boy, and girl of any race, of any creed, who would see themselves as a sinner, a sinner in need of a savior that God would send in the person of his son who came and lived a sinless life so he could be the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And he did just that. He died on the cross by choice. He rose again from the dead with his power as God. And he offers eternal life to all who believe. So these Jewish believers spread around the Roman Empire Peter writes to him. I might call him Paul because I do that, but it's Peter. I know it's Peter. Don't get concerned unless I call him Bob. Then things have gone off the rails. Okay. Um, Peter writes to these believers on, okay, so now we are, and, and here are some things. And Peter knew that things were getting harder. You get to 2 Peter, and it's like things are about to get crazy as far as persecution and difficulty. And and, and we can uh, relate more personally to that now than we have for a while. And so he, he talks to them about their walk with God and their relationships and what should be going on. He talks to husbands and to wives about what should be going on there. He talks about holiness, which is our exclusive relationship. That's what's key. Holiness, there's a lot in that subject, but it's the idea that God says, Peter says to us, God Remember, we have an exclusive relationship with God. Not that we're exclusive, like we're better than everybody else, but it's, it's God and us, or, or not God at all. It has to be exclusive. And he goes through the chapter, and he's talking about different, and he, and he warns them. Just earlier, we're in chapter 5, but just before chapter 5, he warns them of, of the coming persecution, that, that in fact, we don't have a, shouldn't have a persecution complex but in fact, um, what, what you believe, if you are here today and you believe the Bible is true, you are in an increasingly um, a minority 
that is unacceptable and un you can discriminate about nothing except if you're a Bible-believing Christian anymore. It's crazy. And, and, and so he warns us, and it's not paranoia, he just warns us, hey, what we believe is becoming more and more abhorrent to our society. Just, just walk in the workplace and say there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And if you have the Son, you have life, and if you don't have the Son, you don't have life, and, and it's on. That's, that's an abhorrent statement to most of our world. But it's, it's the truth. It's the gospel. It's our very salvation. It's the best. So he knows persecution's coming. And he encourages them to be ready for it. Not have a chip on their shoulder, but just be ready. Remember, Jesus said, you know, if they hated me, they're going to just love you. Now, that's not in any translation, no matter how modern it is. Okay. Where we get our, find ourselves here in chapter 5 is he's just talking through groups, getting them ready, and then he says, okay, now I need to talk to the elders, the leaders. And, and so we get to hear Peter preach to the preachers, and uh, it, it, it'll have a hook for you, so I'm just warning you. Oh, it's fair game. It won't be like, yeah, preach it. Um, you should be... Uh, a little careful, just so at the end you don't feel too foolish. Okay, so uh, I'm going to begin reading here in verse 5. And I'm going to actually look at verses 1 through 5 of chapter 5. So I exhort the elders among you as, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, clothe yourselves, all, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So the way I want to just look at this, the way I'm looking at it in my mind, this morning, the truth is the truth, but we hang it on a framework to try to explain it. It's kind of a, a, a chalk talk. where So Peter's talking to people. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. Remember this, remember this. And he said, okay, now leaders, i got to talk to you guys. And, he's, and so he starts out by talking to the leaders. He'll, he'll talk to, so, so he's like talking to the coaches. He'll talk to the team, the players here in a bit. But he starts out, Coaching the coaches, okay? And that's, that's how this starts out in this chapter. So what he tells them here is, now, he says, I'm an elder myself, but you need, as leaders, to know your role. You need to know your base so you can play your base. You need to know what you've been called to do. So he uses three different terms that help us to understand what your leader's role, in fact, is, not by imposed by some human denomination, not imposed by the leaders themselves, but by given to us by God's word himself, the one who saved us, the one who gifted us, and the one who called these men and position of leadership. So he uses, you've, you've, you've heard this before, but just to refresh your mind, he said he's speaking to the elders, and the, that term elder can be used just to speak of somebody of age. But clearly in this text he's speaking, as it can be used, 
of somebody who holds a particular office of leadership. He uses three words to describe what your pastors, elders, we, we don't, we, we, we're okay with pastors, elders. We're not really okay in our tradition calling them bishops. He says, like, if you walked in and said, this is Bishop Jordan, you'd probably, like, in the wrong church. <laughs> you would walk out. Okay. But these are all terms that describe one offer for us, typically in our tradition. The safest word is the word pastor because it's the broadest of all the words. But the other words add color, add flavor to the job. It's kind of like mom. Mom, mom, there's mom. And then there's all the stuff that mom is. Okay, But mom is the, the one that covers all of it. Pastor is that word. But the word elder speaks specifically about somebody who's responsible to be engaged in the leadership, decision-making processes for the church. A word was used to talk that they would be the one who would stand before the body, the assembly of believers, when they would gather. And they would provide leadership when decisions had to be made. They would help. They didn't make all the decisions. They don't make all the decisions here. But somebody has to lead in that process, and that's what the elders, Peter was one, He's writing to those, these elders here in, in this first letter. That's what they were. They were called upon to stand in front of God's people. Everything we do that involves more than you needs a leader. And that's what God called pastors to do. Then there's that word pastor in verse 2. They're, the elders are told to shepherd the flock of God. And that's the broadest word because it talks about watching over. The shepherd watched over, right, to keep them from harm leading them to the right places, away from danger and to places where they'd be safe and where they'd be nourished. Protect them from uh, wolves and protect them from enemies, protect them from robbers, uh, feed them, lead them, care for them, uh, bind up their wounds, carry them when they needed to be carried. So there's that pastoring, shepherding word, which is, like I mentioned earlier, which is the, the biggest of the words, the, the, the uh, most intimate of the words. But elders are to be pastoring, and then the, this word bishop, um, which is basically, it's over, it literally means to look over. Somebody who is administratively watching the stuff, because there's lots of stuff. It's the, my least favorite part of ministry is the stuff. Uh, so fortunately, eventually in a team, you get, you have different titles, but there's the bishop of stuff. And and I, I, our first bishop of stuff was a guy named Nick. He was a mafia-related guy, but he was very, very effective. And he's still a dear friend. But, but there's just stuff. And, and watching and, and being careful and thinking ahead. And so in, these, in this letter, he speaks. It's one office. The same, it's one, I mean, there's several of them. But it's not, these are three different types of leaders. These are three words that describe like a word like mom, where there's a lot of words to describe the one office of mom. There's these lots of words to describe the one office that we typically use the word pastor for. It's used in the book of Acts. The elders um, were told to shepherd and over oversee just like they are here. And so that's who he's talking to. Okay, So this is who now he's going to coach the coaches. He's going to uh, instruct the leaders. And so we look at, um, look at how they're supposed to play the game here in verse uh, 2 and 3. Okay, so he says, shepherd the flock of God, get on, do your business, take care, feed, protect, love, correct, direct, 
um, the flock that is among you, the one that you're in charge of, not the flocks of the world, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. So he says, don't do your job. If you're, so he, he talked to the pe- normal good people, and then he's talking to the leaders. Okay, now you leaders. Don't do your job out of grudging obligation. Like it's just have to do it, don't care to do it, kind of been forced to do it, be too embarrassing to say I don't want to do it. So you just do it as um, uh, drudgery duty. I mean, we all should be doing our duty, but drudgery says you should not be doing your job of leadership as drudgery, but willingly, eagerly, voluntarily, as you are doing it, in fact, as it really is, this is a service to the Lord, and it is the will of God. So if God calls someone to be, if you're an elder, God calls you to be an elder, um, the service you do is like, sometimes, well, okay, uh, Moses makes the most critical mistake of his life, godly man, friend of God called a friend of God, by God, okay, which is different than me calling myself a friend of God. So God calls him a friend of God, but at the end, um, and I feel sorry for him, because at the end, he's ready for the promised land, doesn't get to go in, and the people were being particularly ornery, and, and there was a particularly uh, significant delay, a two-year trip taking four, a 38-year delay. I would have Killed somebody, myself, um, anybody around. Because I'm not even good when the lady on the phone says, oh, delay, we got to turn it up. Like, ah. So he, he gets to the place where he says, must I fetch rock out of this, water out of this rock for you? And it's like, I thought that was pretty restrained. Um, but, the, but what God is saying here is, I'm to be doing it without that sense of drudgery, or difficult, I'm being doing it as a service with enthusiasm, willingly, and remembering what I'm doing. Yes, it's for the people that God has called me to lead, but ultimately, the great shepherd, there's only one shepherd of the sheep, right? And that's our Savior. And I'm doing it as an, an assist, I'm serving my Savior. And so any leader here needs to remember that, yes, you're serving people. Bottom line is, you're serving your Savior, because these are his sheep. And you're doing him in a, when, when somebody else, when your children are away somewhere and somebody else invests in them, a teacher, a coach, um, a, a pastor invests in them when you can't be there, you're grateful for that, right? That's, 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 that's not nothing. That's a big deal. And so he's telling the elders here, uh, very importantly, very directly, telling the elders here at uh, Uniontown Bible Church, don't do your job as drudgery and just annoying duty. Remember that you're doing a service that means you're caring for God's children. And God doesn't consider that nothing. I should be doing it as it, in fact, is the will of God. You want to do the will of God, right? You want to please God, right? And we sometimes think that should be all kind of good and exciting and fancy stuff, and there's, and there's wonderful, joyous things when it comes to be an elder, a pastor, you're leading, it's just worship, when I'm sitting here today with you, and you're worshiping, and I'm worshiping with you, it's like, it's like, it's like, that, that's a holy, that's just, 
I don't speak in tongues. I just make noises. It's like, pfft. it says it's beyond words. It's, 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 an, it's an inexpressible joy. But just dealing with all the day-to-day stuff of a family this big doesn't always feel like joy. You, you raising your children, whether it's one, two, or a hundred, okay, bottom line is it doesn't always feel like a joy. But if I'm a leader, he says, you need to remember, guys, you need to do this willingly, eagerly, because you're, this is your service to Christ. So he says, elders, leaders, coaches, do this not grudgingly, but willingly. Do this not eager for gain, which is a good thing to set you up so you don't get so disappointed. Um, but don't do it for praise, or don't do it for position, or don't do it uh, for financial gain. You should take care, and you do. You should take care of your leaders. But the leaders shouldn't do it to be taken care of. Okay, Just, So leaders are not to be doing this for to be greedy or dishonest gain, for profit or promotion but to do it with zeal, eagerness, and enthusiasm from the heart, from the soul, out of the soul is the idea here. So he says to elders now, and as you lead God's people, you need to be doing it not as an obligation and drudgery, but you do it as service to the Lord. It isn't about personal eagerness for gain, but it is to be done um, with zeal, eager, and great enthusiasm. Then he gets even more specific. He gets to leadership style in verse 3. So he says here in verse 3, not, uh, not under compulsion but willingly, which I just said, as God would have you, not for shameful gain but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Okay, so this is where there's going to be a hook for you, so I'm warning you ahead of time. Okay. But what he says here is this. Okay, obviously... An elder who leads, a husband who leads his home, a a wife who leads her household, who's the house manager, and a pastor, group of pastors who's leading the church is not to stand there as a tyrant like, this is my church. Now, it's it's okay. It's one of the things my dad said to, to all of us as assisting pastors, which a lot of us were over the years with my dad. He's like, don't call it my church. It's not yours. You didn't buy it. Uniontown Bible Church was purchased by the blood. Now, we're going to say my church because that's how we talk. It's like, this is where I go to church. It's mine. Okay. But not like I own it. Like, this is my church, and it's going to be like, I. It, you didn't buy it. This church was purchased with the blood of Christ. And yes, you have blood, sweat, and tears in its growth and its work on a day-to-day basis, but you didn't buy it. This is his church. And he says, listen, elders, this isn't your church. Well, we're the leaders. No, no, we're the, we're the, well, there's assisting pastors and then there's pastors. Well, in fact, we're all assistants because it's not mine. It's, 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 it's not yours. It's Christ's church. That kind of changes the way you treat it, don't you think? <laughs> it's like that old thing was like, would you, would you, would you do that to the couch at home? It's probably where I learned it. <laughs> it's like, it's like, You should treat this like it's not, treat it like it's the company's couch, not not like it's uh, the one that you uh, broke in very well at home to be very comfortable but very beat up. He's saying, this is Christ's church. Don't domineer. Don't lord it over. You're not a tyrant. It belongs to God. It's purchased with his blood. Um, 
So, instead of being a tyrant, instead of lording it down, because here's the deal, okay? Do pastors have authority? And the answer is yes. Do parents have authority? Do parents have authority? Supposed to. Who gives it to you? God, right? You're the parent. Be the parent for crying out loud. Yes, be kind and loving and listening, but be the parent. And so leaders, so this is, this is, this is God through Peter talking to the leader. So he says, be the leader. But it's just way different than what normally people think. So don't domineer. Don't be the boss. Be, and, and the word that he used here is pattern. It's the word type. It's the word, um, okay, I'm 100 year, 100, 120 years old. Um, when I was young, I remember because my mom and my, I have sisters, they would have to go to this fabric store and buy patterns. Anybody remember that? I mean, okay. So there was like, like these, they bought it for, if they were going to make a dress, you bought a pattern. And it was like this big papery thing. It was white. It was like tan and, and real flimsy paper. And it had cut here, cut there. Had these little like, what are you kidding? Better go longer or bigger. Okay, it has all these little, and then, and then you would cut the, you'd cut the, dress stuff out, and then you sew it up, and then you have a dress. It, <laughs> and and it's just like store bought. No. <laughs> they used. To, I even got down to doing that the suits once. You could tell the guy whose wife made him a suit. He was so happy to wear it to church. <laughs> and all of us other friends uh, made him even more comfortable. <laughs> okay. A pattern. It's a, p- a pattern in, that's used for cutting steel or, or a piece of wood or building a table. or what, that, the, That's the idea. It's the word type. He says, so here's coach. Here, he's coaching the coaches. Okay. He says, don't be grudging. Do this willingly. Don't do it for gain. You'll be disappointed. Do it with zeal and enthusiasm, don't be a tyrant, be a model, be an example, be a type, so people, so people can see what you're saying, right? Because some, you know, you, you get directions on a, online, here's the directions to how to do this thing, build this thing, you can get a pattern, you know, you can, and then, and then, and then you need, a, I need a picture, a, a whole bunch of words, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. Give me a picture, okay? Pat, okay, now those words make sense because I, I wasn't getting the picture in my head. So he's saying to leaders, you're supposed to be a picture, a model. Now, so that's what God tells preachers. to be. Uh, you can flip back just a few pages to Titus. Two places in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writing to leaders of churches, uh, gives them what he means by a pattern. What what's, what be a pattern of good works? What, what's that? Uh, the, the most famous one is 1 Timothy 3. It's a pattern of, uh, but I'm just going to use Titus because it's a little shorter this morning, but it all says the same thing. Okay, so uh, in Titus chapter 1, verse 5, Paul is saying to Titus, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you could put put what remained in order and appoint elders. So there was the gospel went to Crete, 
and people came sa- became believers, and they were organized at churches, but they didn't have all leadership. He said, I sent Titus. That's why I left you there, to organize the churches so they had structure and leaders, and, and they were ready to go forward as, as, a, as a, a, an actual church moving forward. And he says, so I directed you, the elders, uh, in every town as I directed you, if anyone is a, and, they, and he, now he says, here's what I mean by, well, you should be a good example. Okay, what do you mean good example? He says, well, let me give you some examples of what a good example is. Okay, so an elder is supposed to be above reproach. The husband of one wife. And his children are believers. And not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. Most of us wouldn't like debauchery. I don't think I ever did that. (laughs) For an overseer, as God's steward, he says, now an overseer who's just a worker for God. These aren't my... These aren't my sheep. These are his sheep, and I'm just watching them for God, okay? For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and discipline. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. So we look at these, these qualifications, and in the first Timothy, it's like, yes, that's what pastors should be, right? That's what they're supposed to be. Elders, you've got to be that. These qualifications in your life, in your relationships, that's what you're supposed to be, because you need to be an example. So what does that mean for you? Does God, this is a trick question, does God hold pastors to a higher standard? Should we hold pastors to a higher standard? Now you're afraid to answer, aren't you? No. Yes. No. Okay. Because here's the point, okay? This is what pastors are supposed to be. And there to be that, to be an example to you. So, so feel free to cut it in half, modify it, and just live like you want. Or, what you should rightly expect your leadership to be, you should be seeing that growing in your leaders, but remembering it's there to show you how you're supposed to live, to put meaning to the words. We can read, we can read all the words of Scripture and, and never have it change our lives till we, till we see it in action. Okay, love your wife. Reverence your husband. Yeah, okay, we're good. Now go home, and what does that look like? Love your children. Discipline them. Bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Okay, yeah, okay, good. Balance between love and, and, and the soft and the hard. And, and, and the restrictions and the permissions, yeah, great idea. Okay, what does that look like in the trenches? So that's why we have here in Scripture, at least these twice, this idea, okay, so you guys, you leaders, you got to be good examples, and that's true. But that's not just so they're good examples, so you could see it and like, yeah, they're good examples. <laughs> that's for you 
to flesh out so you can get the good idea of, so that's what loving your wife looks like. Do you think, now ladies, you can help me with this, do you think that every man who really does love his wife knows how to love his wife? You afraid to answer? Nobody can see your lips move. <laughs> but he is sitting next to you, so he'll know. Okay, so, so it isn't like we don't love our wife, and, and it isn't like we're not trying. Sometimes we're not, but, but, but a lot of times we, we've never seen a model, right? The average man is being raised by a man who didn't have an example of that either. Right? And so we need models. But... The model is there, not just like, yeah, that's a good guy, that's a good man. It's there so I can know what this looks like. And does knowing what this looks like help you? It does. So we're not saying, in one sense, yeah, there's this standard that's here that looks like a higher standard for leaders. But we're to be followers of these leaders as they follow Christ. And so, God is expecting the same type of character and attitude that we should expect of those who lead us. That's why it goes on to say this here in verse five. Like this is where the, this is this is the kicker. Likewise, the younger, the the ones who are being led, just likewise, in the same way that we expect our leaders to submit to the leadership of God and honor him and respect him and be committed to growing into his expectations for their lives. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. You're to follow them. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So the point here is this. God has graced this church with sinners who have been saved, gifted, and trained to help you as a flock to follow Jesus. And they're to stand in front of you and preach you God's word and and grow in showing you what God's word looks like in day-to-day life. And, and it's a process. Nobody has it all together. We'll all have it together when we're dead. Until then, we're in process. So God gives you these people. And if your leaders are in process, you see them imperfect. But, but giving their heart and soul to live out God's truth. And to shepherd you. And to make good decisions to lead you. And, and, and to oversee stuff. There's just lots of stuff. And oversee that so that family life can go on. It's a big family. And if you do that, then God calls them to that so you can follow their example. God doesn't give you an example so you can just see if they're living up to the example they're supposed to do. God gives you them as an example, yes, so that they will live up to the description of that example, but so that you can follow it. So, yes, it's legitimate to say, do we have qualified leaders in our church family? But it's equally legitimate to say, are you following them as they follow Christ?
That's the first question is more fun. Are they up to snuff? The second question is the point of the passage for the readers of this letter. And that is, okay, as you watch your leaders, warts and all, progress towards Christ-likeness, are you just taking comfort in like, yeah, we got good leaders? <laughs> are you actively following the model that God is showing you by his grace through their lives? You're given an example, not so you can just analyze it, but so that you can follow it. Are you following the good examples, the mom, the dad, the older woman, the older man, your pastors, the model that God, God that's a gift. That model's a gift from God to this church and to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your patience and kindness. Thank you for this church that you have called together and, and gifted with lay leaders and official leaders, men and women, young and old, who are all in process of becoming more like Jesus. I thank you for men and women and boys and girls who are who are coming into this family and hearing the good news of Jesus Christ and becoming believers and, and are excited about growing in Christ. And I pray you would be with the leaders, Lord, that they would be encouraged, that they be strengthened, that they would understand how significant of a trust this is, but they, they remember that while they are leaders, they are just followers of Christ. We pray to give them great encouragement, great growth in their private walk with God, great instruction, great health in their relationships, great discernment. May they continue to bless this church and may this church continue to bless this community. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.